What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week is Tina Amini, Justin Davis, Scoop, and Sam Claiborne. Scoopies. And we've got a great show for you this week. We're going to play the fan favorite game, Real Mature Video Games. We are going to flip through the October 1994 issue of Electronic Games. Yeah, that's right. Electronic Games. But first, let's begin with uh, PS5. Marvel Spider-Man and the save files that will not be transferring from PS4 to PS5. So uh, Marvel's Spider-Man PS4 save files will not work with the PS5 remaster. And let's all take a moment to appreciate uh, the writer of our news article, Jordan Alleman's strapline, no homecoming. <laughs> pretty good. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Now, if you purchase the ultimate edition of uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales to get Spider Marvel Spider-Man remastered on PS5. You you can't transfer your, your your save from the PS4 version. So if you're if you've already started that game, uh, and your 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 progress is going to you're going to have to start all over again. Gosh, I, my mind is blanking. But there's something with like Steam and Switch. Like your save and progress carries over just because they're storing it in their own personal cloud. And like it's so nice. It feels so cozy to be able to pick up a game on any screen and any platform, and all your progress is there, and all your stats are there, and like. Yeah, video games need to come together with some sort of consortium where they have an agreement on like save file standards and like wherever you're playing this game, you can just take it with you on from platform to platform. That's how it should be within its own ecosystem too. It's like PlayStation Four to Five. Come on, mm-hmm. I was gonna make the joke like maybe they just really know that you want an excuse to replay the whole thing from from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, like realistically, it's something that um, we've valued. And then when you think about like narrative games that translate over series, like one of the cool new trends over the last few years has been, okay, you have Mass Effect 1, and your choices from 1 will translate to 2, will translate to 3. So I think it's set a new precedent where people have that ownership over their games. And so even if you are going to play from scratch or do a new game plus or whatever, it's so much better to be able to replay on your own terms rather than feeling like you lost progress. Because nothing's more infuriating than that. And it's one of the reasons why Nintendo got a lot of flack over the Switch because they didn't have cloud saving for the longest time. And that's the kind of thing that like will terrify people. Man, I I have a little bit of a rant on this. You just reminded me of Tina that the uh, uh, back in the game facts, you know, era you could go download saves for basically your gamecube or your ps2 or whatever and like that was kind of a way people cheated is that they would download somebody else's save but it also meant that you could do things which you can't do with contemporary games because they're all saves are so controlled online where you could like play a really cool character that somebody built in another game or even better if you wanted to replay the games that i'm playing right now the old mario 3d games you could download a save put it on your system and then like play the back half of that game. And I'm never going to see the back half of Mario Sunshine ever again. I see that first half over and over and over again. And then I give up. I'd love to see the back half of that game. But like I would need to like get somebody saved to do that or, or play through the whole first part again. I really like that idea of being able to play with a after I beat a game, I should be able to like access any part of it. We actually I think got as long, I was just gonna say we have an email we're... on that very subject that we'll we'll talk about in just a little bit. Really? First, yeah. We'll Go ahead, Justin. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not meaning to talk over people. I think I'm on a little delay. Um, uh, As long as I'm describing a video game utopia where there should be a consortium where they have save standards. Another thing I want to see is like, there should be a grace period where like, I don't know, two years after a game comes out, they just release the keys to that game to the consumer. And like, okay, here's your level select. You know, here's your God mode. Here's your whatever, like fly through the map, like spawn enemies, do whatever you want. Like, 
that should be a thing. I like make it five years, make it whatever you want. We're like, now here you go, go nuts in our game. Like yeah, have fun with it. You you bought it, you own it, and now we're gonna hand you over the keys to it, and you can go nuts. Yeah, I that was so, so fun. In like like in Goldeneye, for example, it was the best. Yeah, I I love the concept of chapter selects because occasionally you just want to like see how a different narrative choice might play out, or you just really love the boss battle and you want to replay that one section, but you don't want to have happen to make a save just beforehand like there are so many games where i have a zillion saves and i forget the context for half of them anyway so (laughs) cycling through to be able to play the part i want isn't the most reasonable um so love that kind of world too but i think the argument um just to play devil's advocate would probably be something along the lines of like well you know you have to earn that experience and there's something to the discovery of it that's part of the the you know overall formula or you know stumbling on it yourself to give the community an opportunity to be the ones to introduce those things i think is like part of the fun but i imagine after you know a five-year contingency like if, if people just dis- were going to discover it it would have been by that five-year or whatever two-year mark or whatever else mm-hmm. i mean rockstar is famous for like saying like we like our story and trust our narrative enough that it'll draw you in. And you can also break our game at the same time. Like I love how from the very start, they're like, here's a bunch of cheat codes, break the crap out of it. And that's fine. They're like, that takes bravery. And it used to be a bravery that was absolutely universal. When I started at IGN, my job was to only be our cheats editor. And every game that came out had something. It had either a cheat code or a button input system or something that you unlocked by doing something complicated. And it was just a constant churn of like cheating and breaking games. And I know mod communities have replaced that now, but it's so inaccessible. And I wish people had trust in in gamers to break their own games. I think it's like my favorite thing. Yeah, on the well, it's also it's the only go ahead. I was just going to say really quick on the Rockstar note, it's uh, it's there. It's very much about they build worlds, but they also build mm-hmm. playgrounds. And that's why they like people to go wild in it. Mm-hmm. What was that, Justin? Mm-hmm. We uh, video games are the only medium that like don't like you can flip to the end of a book and read the last page if you want to. <laughs> like you get to the end of Lord of the Rings and Sam's like, well, I'm back. And then you're like, OK, I guess I know how this ends. Um, Spoiler. And like there's. Yeah, it is a little, maybe. It's It's been, what, 60 years, so I think we're all right. Um, and, and, like, video games are the only, the, only, the only art form and the only medium on Earth that's closed off that way, that, like, you don't have control over how you consume it and enjoy it and, like, be able to skip around and redo your favorite stuff and rewatch your favorite stuff. Like, you pass a section in a game, and in many instances, you just can't go back. Like, feels bad. There's it's also just, going forward, like L.A. Noir does, where they let you skip over certain scenes. It's like, all right, you've tried three times. You, you probably want to move on at this point, right? And that's definitely not standard at all. But I kind of loved that it gave you the option in case you did want to do the skip ahead thing to the last chapter. It's a little uncanny how closely you guys are describing yeah, this, this email that we got this week. So I'm Let's just going to... Because I'm I have I'm going to point out, this is Jay in Salt Lake City, and he says, there's been some discussion about how the save files for Marvel's Spider-Man on PS4 won't carry over to the remastered version. It's got me wondering about the importance that save files play and how we experience games media. If you buy a book or television series or movie, you can skip to the final chapter or jump around to whatever scenes or episodes you want. Generally, people understand it's best to experience these forms of media in sequence from beginning to end. But the only thing I can compare it to games is courseware. I'm an instructional designer where the media experience is contained within a learning management system that tracks your progress, gives you credit as you complete or pass different parts of the learning experience, and unlocks more advanced material when prerequisites have been satisfied. 
Is this really the best way for games to work, though? Is there any reason game developers can't trust players to navigate their own experience, or does that break something fundamental about a game as an entertainment product? What do you all think? And I, if I didn't know better, I'd say you guys were snooping on the GameScoop emails. Probably <laughs> not. <laughs> oh, we would never do that. That, I, that, not, I think... that would not be the way we accomplish learning information about GameScoop <laughs> ahead of time, is what I would say about that. Hmm. Um, however, um, I have a really relevant anecdote to this. I played the beginning of uh, Star Wars Squadrons three times this week. And here's why. I played through the tutorial and it's about, you know, 45 minutes or something. And then I paused it and then, you know, you can just put your, your system into sleep mode and it's yep. the best thing ever. Yep. You pop back in and play. When I turned my game back on after being in sleep mode, everybody was every ship and everything was at fast forward and there was nothing I could do about it. <laughs> so I would just be like run into a wall or, or, or a good shot or whatever, but everything was like zooming around like crazy. And so I was like, Oh, that was a weird glitch. So I, I replayed that all. And then I replayed it all and got back to the hangar. I was like, okay, this is probably a safe place because it's not out, out in space where I'm fighting. And I come back to my game and every damn droid and alien in the hangar was like zipping around. <laughs> I don't totally stuck in fast motion again. And I had to play it again. Maybe you so had feature stuck on there somewhere. Maybe it was intentional. <laughs> well, what? That's really I, good. If I just restart the mission, like I don't even have to restart the system. If I restart the mission, everything is fine again. But like I like sat there just like like crying, laughing the second time because this droid unit was like popping and go beep, beep, fly away. Beep, beep, fly away. And that's happened supposed to happen over the course of like five minutes. It's great. I hope anyway. you captured I hope you captured foods yeah. of that. I have like 30 seconds of the, the droid thing I, just, I was rolling. But being outside, and it was really funny because I could control the ship and everything was moving, but the game engine was like, you're at 2000X now. <laughs> um, um, okay. I think... What's, no, go I, ahead, Justin. I, I, I just think that commenter is exactly right. And, and I want to circle back to something Tina said a second ago where it's not just about looking back. It is about looking forward. And video games, again, are the only medium, the only art form where like, your scale like it just stops you like well you literally can't ever see or experience the second half of you know many video games if you you, you know if you if you're unskilled enough if you can't get past it like very few games have a skip mode or some nintendo games have their baby mode that turns on um but like you know it, it feels bad like if you're really hating an episode of a tv show or a section of a book like you know skip 10 pages keep going like it's crazy that games don't let you do that just every game should have a level skip option um and it and it's it's pretty bad that they don't i think about like story driven games like the last of us especially when they're experimenting with themes like really mature themes and progressive themes that you know might really not mature. be yeah exactly um <laughs> we're not cheating i swear um <laughs> we, yeah, there's there's things that like I think they may feel worried about if people skip ahead from a narrative perspective that they might miss beats that would help them appreciate uh, the way that a, that a story ends. Because as it is, like that story, um, that storyline uh, wasn't the most palatable for a lot of The Last of Us 1 fans. So imagine if people skipped around, which arguably is what they did because of the leaks of the script where people read the story and weren't able to play through it. Um, I think it's a totally different experience, whereas if you play through the motions, the argument could be said that maybe you have an appreciation for the character arcs and evolutions and some of those story beats, too. But, um, you know, it should be like as an optional choice thing. Uh, I can see how developers would be wary about it impacting 
the reception to those stories, but I can also see that the L.A. noir style of if you've tried three times and you really just can't progress, but you want to push forward in the story, like, why not let people skip ahead at a point? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seems you know, reasonable. I, the earliest example I can think of level skipping is um, in uh, Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man. You can basically jumper the game board in a way where you can add a button to two you know, to, to, to two points and you had a button and it connects the two points and it skips a level. And people use that uh, to like kind of just practice, like you can skip like 10 levels into the Miss Pac-Man and just like play them and practice them or 10 levels into Pac-Man and like learn the mazes. And I think that's like a really cool example of when that happened early on, because otherwise you have to like, you know, do what we're talking about, play through it forever and then learn the later stuff. And it's so much easier just to skip there and learn the hard stuff. Okay, moving on to real mature video games. This is the game where you're going to try to guess uh, a game based on the ESRB description of its mature content. So what you know right off the bat is... Are they all real mature video games? They're all real games that are rated M for mature. And they're all all games that are upcoming. That's your other hint. These are games that are on the horizon but not out yet as of today. That's a big hint. Yeah, well... I'm a generous game show host. What can I say? And the way uh, the SRV descriptions go, they start out very, dis- very specific about what this game is and then get more general about what the mature content is. So I'll be reading these descri- descriptions backwards because if I read out the first sentence, it would be c- very obvious what these games are. Okay, there are three games. Round one. Okay. The words F, the F word and the S word. Baldur's Gate. Game. <laughs> Baldur's Gate 3. What is going on this episode? Can you see my computer screen? No, this is the one thing we accidentally cheated on. And so we figured instead of just painfully sitting here and not answering anything and throwing it to Justin, because Justin wasn't around for when we accidentally yeah. cheated. Um, yeah, we decided we'd just interrupt you. Sorry. But <laughs> no, we saw happening? nothing else, though. I swear, including what that. Do you mean other else? Then let, we'll go on to Baldur's round two. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and don't bring up any B-roll for this, Borba, please. Okay. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. The F word. Pokemon the, Snap. The, uh, the C word. <laughs> That's not an M game. In the dialogue. The, the C oh. word. Yeah, okay. That's much worse than the F word. Uh, Cyberpunk. No, Remastered Devil May Cry. No. Oh, that's good. That uh, player's character can engage in drinking contests. Sequences uh, depict the character stumbling as the screen tilts and blurs. Red Dead Redemption Creed 2 Valhalla. isn't coming out again. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Assassin's Creed. It is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Nice. Yeah. I, I saw that. I saw it. It takes place partially. The F word and the S word appear in dialogue. During one mission, players infiltrate a drug cartel, drug packages, and piles of white powder can be seen in a warehouse. Far Cry 6. Yeah, Far Cry. It's not Far Cry. Uh, Mafia um, remaster. Call of Duty Black Call Ops. Call of Duty Cold War. Oh, yeah. It is. It is Call of Duty Black oh, Ops Cold War. <laughs> Let's talk about some games uh, that we've been playing, including a game that just came out today, Super Mario Thirty Five. I played several rounds of it today. Anyone else take it for a spin yet? No, I can't wait. What did you get? Number one? It's cute. I've gotten number two a couple times, wow. but I haven't gotten number one yet. Uh, it's very cute. 
the Super Mario 35 conversation was unfortunately lost to a technical difficulty, so we will now move on to Star Wars Squadrons, and I'm whispering because my son is sleeping in the room next door. It's a, one of those, you know, I crave this type of game. I really, really like um, space shooters, and I really like uh, the Rogue Squadron games especially. Um, this doesn't have the same... Mm, one thing that I don't like about it is that it, it, it uh, is all cockpit-based, and I kind of like seeing my ship. That that is just the way I like to play it, and a lot of those games give you the option. But this is like, do you guys ever do you ever do first person in racing games? Like that doesn't even make sense to me. It, I, I like if yeah. I get in a car in Grand Theft Auto, like, and it's in first person, like I can't even drive. I don't know why. I just that's mm. just not the way I play games. But uh, for this, it, it forces you into that. So it's been a little bit of a learning curve, and then also like it uses in a good way every button in uh, multiple ways. Like there's so it's such an intense control scheme, which I think is really funny um, and good. I think that's what it should be, because I like learning this game and get I feel like I'm getting better at it every time I play. So that's a good thing. Uh, that's a positive. And then um, finally, uh, Star Wars games still feel slow to me, aside from Rogue Squadron. If I'm in an X-Wing and like I throttle it up and I'm zooming past the Star Destroyer, there's like moments where it, fe- where it feels fast. But for the most part, it just doesn't. It just feels like I'm just kind of like too far from everything and everything's kind of slow. And I don't know what the deal is. I guess that's the reality of, uh, of uh, space combat. Um, in the movies, they make it look really fun. <laughs> but I think, I think there's, it's just hard to adapt. But I think being behind your ship and, and speeding it up a little bit would be hmm. the perfect thing for this game. But it's really, really cool. Does it feel anything like Rogue Squadron? Yeah, I mean, in the sense... Well, okay, here's another comparison uh so rogue squadron has really cool mission objectives this like people will bark orders at you they're like you know defend this part of the ship well they they get in there and open it up and so you're, you're kind of doing that but um so it has that but rogue squadron added some this has this in a different way but it has it has a kind of like a trophy mode that's not the in-game trophies but it's like additional things you can do like awards you can get for other things but i like that rogue squadron like they put like a collectible like in a really weird place you'd have to like go way out of your way to get and mm-hmm. kind of like break the level and do it wrong to get like they just thought about the they thought about the 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 space of the level in in a kind of a sandboxy way and i thought that was really cool this is more linear go through the missions um but pretty well made i have one thing i'll say if i mean i'm sorry i'm I'm dominating this but one other thing i want to get off my chest this game should have been saved to be an awesome console launch game with the best graphics ever that that's what it should have been and instead, we're getting this like one that looks great in PC. It looks great in VR. But like it, it I don't I, I disagree with with uh, some of our coworkers who are playing it because I think they're playing it on PC. I don't think it looks very good. And I'm playing it on Xbox One X and um, things just look a little bit cartoony and flat. And it yeah. just it's fine. I mean, it is a forty dollar game, right? Yeah. yeah. But how cool would it have been if this was used as like. Okay, it's a forty dollars <laughs> game. We didn't put a lot of time into the levels, but it's just the best looking game on the market. Because I remember, like, I think Jedi Starfighter or something was that for Xbox mm-hmm. when the Xbox box launched, and uh, they just had like a really high. And then, of course, for GameCube with Rogue Squadron too, um, they were like like really cool, showy, you know, Lucas games. And like mm-hmm. that's what this game could have been. I think they kind of missed an opportunity there, but I'm sure it'll look great in the next gen consoles. I don't know. I haven't played it on the. Justin, you're playing some Apple Arcade games? Yeah, I continue to believe that Apple Arcade is like the absolute best value in video games. Um, well, no, I want to immediately walk that back because like, you know, Game Pass <laughs> Game Pass is really cool and like Humble Bundles are really cool. But like, 
I, I like Apple Arcade. Everybody sleeps on it. Like, um, uh, and I did too. Like, I, I talked about it a lot last fall. And then, oh, uh, there's a Samurai Jack came out from Adult Swim mm-hmm. Games, and I've been playing Samurai Jack. So, uh, just some Apple Arcade sort of gems that I hadn't gone through in the last few months. I've been catching up on. Um, I've been playing them on iPad. Oh, and speaking of game saves, Apple Arcade does exactly what I was describing, where you can bounce between phone and iPad and uh, Apple TV where like, you know, I just pair my PS4 controller and just play it like a game console. And um, all the saves are seamless. They're, they're all just connected to your Apple account and they just, they go with you on whatever platform you're on. So it's like being able to bounce. Um, I took a trip recently. So I like, played on my iPad. Now I'm back on my TV playing through the game. Feels great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're totally right. Yeah. Is that Lion? Or no. Justin's guy? Yeah. No, it's mine. She's mad. She wants out. I'll let her out in a sec. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You're totally. You're totally right. There's like console favorite games uh, that are on Apple Arcade that I don't think people are aware of, like Shantae and the Pirates Curse, uh, which I played on Mm -hmm. Switch. Actually, came out on Apple Arcade first this year, and you got to play it. You know, as part of your five dollar a month subscription instead of the twenty or thirty dollars that's on Switch. And I would say probably legitimately half of the sorry Tina probably legitimately half of the uh, the games that were in the indie Nintendo showcase were mm. Apple Arcade games. They're they're Apple games that are being ported now, uh, including that Claymation one and several of the other ones. Um, and like you know, I don't know, man. Like when you can play them with a controller, uh, this uh, don't don't pay twenty dollars for them on Switch or on Steam. Just get Apple Arcade. It's great. Yep. It's kind of the same concept as, um, you know, for TV shows or for movies that are exclusive. All right. All right. I'm going to let my cat out. (laughs) Um, But like Queeby has apparently a couple shows that are worth watching, but they're locked to those platforms. So if you're not, you know, open to, um, you know, getting outside of the realm of the comfort of Netflix and Hulu, it kind of limits you in that way. Mm hmm. Okay. October 1994 issue of Electronic Games, the magazine of interactive experiences. It's uh, the uh, Hollywood meets gaming issue. Of course, everyone will remember this one. Very famous. (laughs) Oh, it's a classic 90s ad that's just trying to gross out the reader. Uh, This is an ad for uh, Gex, the Gecko, which is a Crystal Dynamics game. I uh, totally, I always forget that, but this is, uh, you see, there's a like a wasp on someone's tongue here, and the whole image is a really ugly shade of purple. Yeah, but it's because he's a he's a gecko, and that's what he eats, yeah. right? Yep. So like, that's, that's the joke. Also, you can show this to your mom, and then you can gross her out. Yep, yep, exactly. Please or your grandma. Please this video game. So the letters section, here's a letter Wait, from, nope, yep. It says skanky nuggets. <laughs> skanky nuggets of just bug pointing, guts. Mm. Yeah. Just pointing that out. Man, Gex is just so cool. Yeah. I wonder what his brand is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, in the letters section, uh, a letter from uh, Joe in Chico, California. It says, ah, these computer game companies are driving me crazy. How can they get away with advertising their games and magazines long before they're even a quarter of the way from completion? Some don't necessarily advertise, but they really sneak previews to magazines, which are mostly just short animation clips and a description of, of what the game will be like. 
For example, I heard about front page sports baseball in numerous magazines, including a well-designed insert advertisement months ago. I called Sierra around May 20th and they told me it would be out by July 15th. So I called back July 15th and they told me not until the middle of September. The problem has been even worse with Bethesda and their new NCAA 2. I understand that these companies want their games to be perfect when they release them and that they want to get a jump on their competitors so they can advertise early, but this is getting absolutely ridiculous. Oh boy, wait for the future. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's upset. There's so much going on there. I mean, like the call the calling companies thing is rearing its head again, which I love. Bethesda made an NBA game? I guess so. I guess so. (laughs) That's so cool. This guy is frustrated that he saw a, a game, an advertisement in a magazine two months ago, and now it's still not out yet. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Welcome well. to the world of announcements of announcements and teasers yeah. of, of teasers <laughs> of trailers. <laughs> uh, in the news bit segment, did you know Sega Enterprises op- opened Joypolis, its first theme park in Yokohama, Japan? The company plans several more amusement parks for Japan and one for the U.S. next year. Yeah, that didn't happen. I love this news bit. Uh, mayors build Sim Utopia. Attendees of the 62nd annual Conference of Mayors last June relaxed between conferencing by using SimCity 2000 to build a <laughs> utopian city. Over 100 mayors cooperated to rid their dream city of crime while attracting industry, developing the waterfront, parks, and mass transit. Mayor Mike Johans of Lincoln, Nebraska found the game fascinating and challenging, even though he had no prior experience with it and little history of game playing. Do you think so, they use the money cheat? <laughs> so apparently there's an annual conference of mayors. And they all yeah. played SimCity 2000 together. Yeah, they, they got do, drunk. That reminds me. <laughs> they just made these horrible drunk cities. Um, BuzzFeed, I want to give them a shout out. They do a really cool video series where they have someone in a real profession play a video game version of that profession. So they had like an architect building homes in The Sims and Minecraft. And it's really entertaining and fascinating to see the ways in which they can apply their profession in, 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 you know, real ways and the ways in which video games, the skill is not transferable in any way at all. <laughs> uh, I can tell the person that planned yeah. this conference does not have siblings because playing a video game with one or two other people really sucks. Uh, playing with a hundred people is just, it's just a, like a nightmare I've had. Yeah. Well, that's Tetris 99. Well, you're not working together on one screen to make the perfect That's Sim true. City. Here's a headline Fighting Games Crossover. Two popular fighting games showed up in non electronic formats a book and a set of action figures. Street Fighter, the storytelling game, is a 196 page softbound book in full color. Cool. I hadn't heard of that one. <laughs> it is designed to be used as the basis for role playing adventures starring fighting oh. characters of Capcom Street Fighter games. Okay, so there is a tabletop Street Fighter. I guess so. Tyco Toys, meanwhile, introduced the Double Dragon action figure line, including Billy and Jimmy Lee, Vortex and Blaster, plus on the dark side of the coin, Shadow Master, Trigger Happy, and Sickle. I don't know. Wow. I think I feel I like 1994 is a little little after the the wave of Double Dragon popularity. Yeah, for sure. I, although that's probably right when the Double Dragon movie came out. Probably appropriately after the popularity of Double Dragon, which was like 1989. There's a whole segment on the ratings war. Uh, the third hearing on game ratings convened July 29th. So this is, you know, after the rise of uh, 
Mortal Kombat and Night Trap, when uh, they decided that video games had just become too explicit and too violent, they're actually having real hearings, mm-hmm. which would lead to lead to the creation of the ESRB. Although there's no, yeah, the ESRB will judge software for all platforms. Uh, so it actually says the text here. The IDSA proposes the Entertainment Software Rating Board, a freestanding organization made up of anonymous raters to be financed by a combination of rating submission fees and IDSA contributors. BSRB will judge software for all platforms, including cartridge-based CD, PC CD, and PC floppy disk systems. So just talking about the creation of ESRB here. Real mature video game uh, industry. Exactly. Real mature video games. But it says it's not a law, and many retailers have said they will not carry rated products. What? (laughs) That's what it says. Doesn't it mean the opposite of how things are? Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I guess if you're a retailer, you're like, I'm not going to put something on this game that says adults only. I've been selling it to kids all all summer. (laughs) Yeah. Really hurts. That's that's why, right? That's what that means. I don't know. Here's an app for a game called Slayer on 3DO. It's Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, I, I just like that the whole point of the ad is to show screenshots of you approaching monsters and them getting bigger on the screen. I guess that's yeah. like that's supposed to be the selling point. I mean, that's probably like a 3DO animation that they're trying to show. Like It's actually yeah. rendering because the 3DO can do that. But there's yeah. a lot of 3DO in this issue. That was I mean, high times I mean, for the 3DO. Yeah, 1994. And I think this whole magazine, Electronic games is all really into like multimedia 3do and the phillips phillips cdi they thought it was going to take off yeah top coin ops from august 1994 figures courtesy of replay magazine based on an earnings opinion poll of operators sam do you contribute to anything like this today (laughs) no i do not that was a serious question uh the best upright videos were revolution x which is the Aerosmith game, Mortal Kombat 2, mm-hmm. and Virtua Fighter. So this is just arcade operators uh, telling what they think are the best games based on what yeah. how much money they're making, right? Their earnings, yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I mean, like, there's no there's no trade organization or anything like that for CoinUp anymore because that industry has been devastated for so long. But uh, also, like, I... In in my experience being an operator in San Francisco, I don't want other people to know what's earning well in my games, uh, and I want to get them earn well and get them in places and earn well from them. And then uh, I don't care if other people are successful or not. That's how I build community. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, best deluxe videos, and I assume these are like big, like bigger sit down cabinets, like the Star Wars arcade game. The best ones are mm-hmm. Daytona USA, Ridge Racers, and Outrunners. Which is from Sega. All Outrunners is the only. I'm not familiar with. Oh, I guess Outrunners is Outrun, like some version of Outrun. Yeah, it, and it had like a little seat next to you. It's like a cute Sega cabinet. I saw one in like Tahoe last time I was up there. They're still around. Yeah. Best pinball machine, Sam. Star Trek number one from nice. Williams. Yeah. PNG. Table's great. Great game. Then Demolition Man. Mm-hmm, another wide body. This is the the Williams uh, uh, wide body era, apparently. Super pins is what they called those. Is Demolition Man the one that has a? There's like a, a a gun with a trigger that you fire the ball. Yeah, both. Yep, both sides have. You can either play with the regular buttons or you can play with the trigger. And the trigger actually, you get more points if you play the whole game with the big. They're like big metal triggers on top of the game. Very silly. And number three is World of Soccer from Midway. Uh, I don't, don't, I, uh, that's don't know that one. World Cup soccer. 
we call that lovingly dog soccer. It's got a dog Why? in the back glass. Okay. It's got a dog. Okay. <laughs> it's like it has like Tom. a cartoon dog, but it's like loosely, uh, loosely um, uh, soccer themed. It's pretty fun. He has a goalie, and the goalie moves back and forth like this, and you have to shoot the ball around him into the goal in the back. Lots of ramps. The top video games of July 1994, uh, top-selling video games as compiled by Babbage's. On Super Nintendo, it was Super Street Fighter Two, FIFA, International Soccer, and Stunt Race FX. I'm surprised mm-hmm. to see Stunt Race FX in the top three. Well, they are pushing that FX chip hard after Star Fox, and that was like basically the only game yeah. that people remember. Yeah. Yep. On Sega Genesis, it was Street Fighter 2, Hardball 94, and FIFA International Soccer. Of course, sports games did really, really well on Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like this. There's an ad for a game called Hell, a cyberpunk thriller starring Dennis Hopper from Take Two. I played this game. Really? A friend oh. and I, before the SRB rated games, went to uh, Best Buy and we we're like, this looks like it's for big kids. And so yeah. we got it and because uh, we thought it'd be like really cool and gory and, and, and possibly sexy. And uh, we played a lot of it, but it was a, it's a point and click adventure game in the end, like a CD-ROM point and click adventure. So like, you know, you can't solve the puzzles. They're just too hard, especially if you're a little kid. And uh, so we called the public library to have oh them translate Latin. Like you it's could just amazing. call the library. <laughs> like the Internet was barely around. And you could, you know, do stuff like that. So we solve puzzles a bit that way. And then, of course, we gave up on it. I cannot That's believe you played this that. game. Amazing. And I, I don't know, know if you can make it out it. here. This ad has like a demonic head in the center of the ad. And then all these human bodies are falling into its mouth. And it's this yeah. is really weird. The human bodies are naked. And there's like full frontal nudity in this advertisement in this magazine. Ooh. It's unusual. Well, now you know why it was easy to pick up without an ESRB rating. Yeah. Um, exactly. It, it also, uh, it, it also was like, it was right on the heels of mist. So it was like basically a mature mist that that's, mm. that's what they were going for with that game with Dennis Hopper. Yeah. How is with Dennis, Dennis Hopper's, Hopper. how is Dennis Hopper's performance? Uh, well, it was as good as the game or the movie that came out that same year. Waterworld. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, for the game doctor, some people have some questions. Well, uh, number one is what's the deal with project reality? That was, of course, the code name for Nintendo 64. Is it cartridge or CD? I hear it will be cartridge. What does that mean to me? Will the system be cheaper? Will the games be as good? Doc, I'll be frank mm-hmm. with you. This has been a real strain on my nerves. <laughs> cool. I'm just so stressed out about it over here. I know. The game doctor responds, believe me, Jim, I understand. The Ultra 64, formerly Project Reality, will originally be released as a ROM cartridge-based system. This means the price will probably be under $200 for the hardware. That sounds very cheap. I don't know that the N64 debuted at under $200. The real question concerns the cost of the software. Remember the Neo Geo with its $300 game carts? Well, considering the current amount of memory required to produce state-of-the-art software and the high price of memory storage on ROM, it is likely that those Ultra 64 games could wind up costing plenty, perhaps even more than many of the third-party publishers will be able to pony up because they will have to purchase the expensive chips and pass along the cost to us consumers. Expensive chips. Well, they're you know they're worried about the cost of cartridges. Uh, I think a lot of N64 games were more expensive than PlayStation, but not like exceedingly more so. I think they were like almost double sometimes, which was a, a situation, right? Because like there was a lot of forty dollars PlayStation One games, and then like 
you know, Majora's Mask was like 75 or 80 bucks when it came out. There, there was some yeah. some bad situations. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> I, believe, I believe this is an ad we've seen before. It's for a Sega CD game called Panic, uh-huh. and it's another... I guess the whole marketing uh, strategy is just let's let's gross out. Uh, gamers love gross stuff. Let's gross them out. And it just has a man laughing so hard that milk is shooting out of his nose. There's a lot of, of gross course. out ads. And even Nintendo was doing gross out ads in this era and shortly after. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Plus it's the, the got milk parody, which is. Yeah. I can't believe it was that early. It seems more recent than that. It's kind of interesting. Uh, this is an ad for a game called The Fortress of Dr. Radiaki. Radiaki, not something I've ever heard of. Uh, I just love this terribly rendered CGI uh, alligator man. Yeah, it's pretty great. I have a story about this. So a friend of mine and I were in Best Buy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, when worlds collide, Hollywood meets gaming. What, are you going to say about something about alligator man? Oh, I just said it looks like it, like the little postage stamp screenshots make it look like kind of a cool Doom clone. I want to look this one up. Yeah, it says, well, it says you are free to move in any direction and blast anything that tries to do the same in this virtual reality 3D world. Like move a- in any direction? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, this is their big cover feature when Hollywood meets gaming. Uh, I just don't understand the the design of this photo here we have like a movie director using a phone no. camera <laughs> it doesn't make any sense <laughs> and there's just a giant super upside down super nintendo controller on top of it that's supposed to be the reels of the film yeah it's just a shape association uh, thing i guess so and then you know, the, the camera has the big circle film reels above it it well that's like you know like i said i think this it, is a perfectly cromulent ad okay it's not an ad it's a feature Okay, is composition, uh, and I guess he's filming the Hollywood sign. I don't know. So yeah, that's just that's just art. So this guy, they're like, okay, you're going to be the director of photography or the director of the movie. That's who you're going to be playing in this photo shoot. Do you want to put on like a nicer shirt or like (laughs) anything like that? Nope. No. Nope. I'm good. I'm good in this t-shirt and backwards hat. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably just someone that wrote for the magazine, and they just grabbed him to do this photo. Mm Hmm. Uh, the uh, feature is actually not very interesting. We will not be diving into it. Okay. However, here's an ad for the Aura Interactor, which is very, the ad <laughs> is very, the copy is very hard to read. It takes explosions, yes, it is. kicks, and punches off the screen and puts them in your gut. And then there's even a lot more text that's much smaller that I can't even read. But this is like the first haptic, this is a haptic feedback like vest thing that you put over your chest. It's supposed to make you feel the actions of the game. Yeah, so I it's think a rumble it, pack for, yeah. for yourself, for your body. Yeah, and I think it's it was cool. actually, how did it know? Like, must it have? How did it know when to rumble? Like, it was it wasn't getting I data it, back from the game using sound, maybe? Yeah, it, sound. I think. Yeah, it takes the base track of the game and and kind of kind of does it that way. I the only encounter I had with this was in a thrift store, and it was in the box. And I, one of my deepest regrets is not buying that and bringing it to the IGN office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would like to. It would have been so fun. The only I saw a couple. I think it like, takes like seven batteries. <laughs> there were a couple reviews from at the, at the time from places like EGM that were actually pretty favorable. So not too. Terrible. I think you wear it on your back too, just, just like a backpack. Okay. Got it. It's a whole page for net news. What's going cool. on on the net in America Online? According to the Wall Street Journal, 
McDonald's is going to be offering the ubiquitous Golden Arches online in the form of a downloadable <laughs> commercial in conjunction with the NBC online area on America Online. The logic behind Same. this kind of action is murky at best, and an astute net maven might even consider it the sign of a sharp blow to the head on the part of McDonald's PR execs. PR execs. Only time will tell, but it seems pretty questionable that users are going to pay to download a commercial. According to the Wall Street Journal article, even McDonald's executives concede there's no clear motivation to download a commercial, at least in this initial experiment. Wow. <laughs> that was not that long ago. <laughs> People are just like, let's try the internet. That's that's all that's happening. It's like IGM, like in its proto form, was formed like three years after this text was written. It's unbelievable. I know. know. (laughs) Uh, There's a little bit about how America Online is uh, about to cross a million users. And apparently... Mick Jagger and Keith Richards scheduled late summer online appearances, answering questions posted to a special prodigy area over the course of a week. So that would have been like a text AMA, huh? I guess. Yeah, because there's no way they could have done like like a a streaming video Q&A in 94, right? No No way. There's no way. Here's an ad. If you switch to Sprint, you can choose any two Sierra games for free. Games like Leisure Suit Larry... Police Quest, uh, Quest for Glory, Shadows of Darkness, which is an amazing game. And all you have yeah, to do is Sierra switch to Sierra was riding high in this magazine. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, a review of Earthworm Jim. They gave it a B minus. Oh. Yeah. They weren't too happy with it. We just did a... Um, well, I don't know if I can talk about the results of the face-off yet, because I don't know if we published them. But uh, I saw Earthworm Jim in them, and it was surprisingly high. People find that game... they. In high regards. Um, yeah, I don't know. We've played those games, Sam, fairly recently. They're, they are kind of yeah, just okay. A B minus might be just about right. Yep. Uh, they did a little mini review of Contra Hardcore and Sega Genesis and only gave it a B, which is a little oh. bit surprising to me because that's one of the, I think it's one of the best action games on Sega Genesis. Yeah, you like that one? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's good for Genesis. I don't think it's nearly as good as anything on the Nintendo uh, or Super Nintendo. I think it's better than Contra 3. Really? Yeah. Man. What about those Terminators? What about them? Uh, a review of TIE Fighter. Speaking of Star Wars Squadrons. Yeah, they love mm-hmm. this one. They gave this one an A. Yeah, one of the all-time greats. This is, this is the origin of the cockpit. One of the all-time greats, you say, but apparently not as great as Way Uh-oh. of the Warrior on 3DO, which got an <laughs> A+. Plus. Oh, boy. It looks to be oh, a no. It looks to be a digitized fighting game, a ripoff of a Mortal Kombat, and it got an A+. A monumental achievement yes. in mega violence and is also one of the most vis- viscerally exciting games of the year. The moral minority may claim that this naughty dog is barking up the wrong tree. Yes, it's a naughty dog game. But action gamers everywhere are bound to go out on a limb with them over Way of the Warrior. Wow. That is, is a deep also- cut, and I don't know about it, and I'm really happy it's Naughty Dog. Which is also surprising because they gave Mortal Kombat on Sega CD a D. Maybe there's something wrong with the port or something like that, but still. 
It says fans of badly digitized TV commercials and gamers too lazy to enter, enter in their Mortal Kombat blood codes may think this new edition is hot stuff, but the rest of the Sega world should be asking some hard questions about the wisdom of waiting for Sega CD editions of pre-existing cartridge games. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, not a great upgrade from the cartridge. This is an ad for ESPN Baseball Tonight on Sega CD. And can you can you see the, the, the centermost screenshot? Yeah. Is it? Yes. That? Apparently, you can use deodorant in this game if this is real and not faked for this ad. It says players <laughs> choose from three different deodorant scents original musk or alpine breeze. I think that's I fake. I, I, think, I think they're making a goof about how realistic the game is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's real. I choose to believe it's real. Uh, and finally, there's a write up on a couple uh, video game books that were released. Super Metroid Unauthorized Game Secrets and the Doom Battle Book. Uh, unauthorized. I like how, so, you know, you could have an official guide. Like, we're the official guide for, you know, whatever, for Skyrim, for any game. And, like, some people would lean into the fact, like, they would market the fact that they were the unofficial, like, unapproved secrets they don't want you to know. Like, it's just a funny way to get around, like, not having the license to make a real game guide. Yeah. I have that book and a bunch of these books, and they're black and white and terrible. You have the Super Metroid one? Yeah, they're like, th- this whole series is like super, super cheap, pulpy, uh, uh, you know, bottom of the barrel strategy guide stuff. But they absolutely played up the unauthorized stuff. And they d- also did that, you know, very, very, uh, with very, very legal eyes, right? Because they that there's not a single image of Metroid on that cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Doom write-up is suspicious. It says, this game from id Software, based on its Wolfenstein 3D engine, is described as an action-oriented slugfest. Why does Doom need an introduction in 1994? Yeah, I don't get it. Doesn't the, you know, This person is being written by it's someone who doesn't it. know what Doom is? Yeah, weird. And that is the October 1994 issue of Electronic Games. Oh, and there's one. Um, okay, our uh, 20 questions suggestion this week comes from Clint Chico. And before we get to his suggestion, he has a question. It says, longtime listener and OG gamer, my first home console game was Combat for the Atari 2600. Yes, I'm that old. I say that to give my question a little context. I assume a great many listeners use streaming services like Xbox Game Pass to try out new games before buying. Clarification. Uh, Game Pass isn't a streaming service. But do you hear from anyone who still rents games, or am I single-handedly keeping services like Gamefly up and running? The reason I prefer renting over something like Game Pass is that my multi-family household has an Xbox One, a PS4, and two Switches. By renting, I can try out games for different systems, see if they're worth a purchase, or just something to play around with for a week or so in return. It's also a great way to find obscure games, hidden gems that don't get a lot of press, but turn out to be personal favorites. For the King immediately springs to mind, which the wife and I love. I've actually never heard of For the King. So that's the question. Anyone else out there still renting physical copies or just old guys like me who grew up going to Blockbusters? I posed this uh, question to the Facebook, uh, the Games Group on Facebook, and I did get responses from uh, several uh, Games Group fans who are still using Gamefly. I don't know how many people still use it today. They had They reported a million users in 2015. I imagine that's probably dropped since then, but you know, it is still up and running enough. <clears throat> enough people must still be using it. It's like $16 a month. 
I think that justification is really good. That's how I used to rent games is just I just try everything. And uh, not everything is on streaming services. That's just not the way the streaming services work or the mm-hmm. subscription services work. Yeah, I but think it I... has a lot more options. I, I, I subscribed to Gamefly for many years and really liked it. And I kind of didn't dawn on me right now that I think I only unsubscribed when I started working in this business professionally. And, um, you know, I still buy plenty of video games and buying games constantly, but we also get, you know, we get them through our job. And so then once I sort of had access to Steam and, and things of that nature and am able to sort of have the familiarity with games I need, then I didn't need to rent them anymore. But like, you know, it's a really, really excellent option that, you know, hopefully it sticks around. Like it's, it's, it's definitely on the ropes. I know that um, you can, a lot, a lot of libraries have video games that you can check out. Mm-hmm. That's we another have option. That's super cool. The IGN office. We, we do have a game library. That's not available to the, our listeners not of this show. Yeah. Not even us technically. We should, uh, I, I should look at what the San Francisco public library has uh, uh, game wise these days. I've, I've never looked at that. Their movie selection is unbelievably good and TV and everything. So that's good. awesome. It is. It is really good. Does anyone anyone remember the last game that they rented? Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> it would have been Nintendo 64 games. I remember renting Castlevania 64 for sure. Wow. I probably I, rented. I remember renting. Game. I remember because I because. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I, I probably rented my last game around the time the 1994 October uh, issue of Electronic Games came out. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, I have floating around in my house. I have a copy of The Godfather for Xbox 360 from Gamefly. And, you know, I guess I canceled my Gamefly. Or I don't know exactly what happened, but it never got returned. So <laughs> I have it and own it. And so clearly like that, I, I guess oh. that was the last one or one of the last ones. I mean, that would have been the game's good. I would have been 2007 or 2008 around there. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Okay, Clint Chico also provides us with our 20 questions game, and he has some hints for you. He says, I consider this a hard mode game, maybe even boss mode, because I've never heard it mentioned on the show. Never, not once. I will provide my own commentary on that. I'm not sure that's true. (laughs) Consider all that. Are we doing hard mode? He also says, he also says, it's my favorite game of all time. His, Clint's Okay. Favorite. So with That's all that clue, said, though. with all that said, let the questioning begin. But does, does Clint have good taste? Now that's, that's what we need to suss out. Well, you need to know what that Kings game is. Um, is this a licensed game? No. Mm, is this part of or a bond. franchise? <laughs> yes. It is part of a franchise. Um, could this appeared in that magazine? Uh, no, could not. Okay. Fair words, right? Looks like you talk about older games. 1994. Yeah. Hmm? Um, is this from before 2000? No. Is this particular title show up on this current generation? What? Wait, sorry. Can you, is it is uh, it on this current generation? No. Okay. It's not. That's five. Was this a platform exclusive? Yes. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's Nintendo. Yeah. Is this is this exclusive to a handheld platform? No. Ah. Is this a Nintendo platform that this game appeared on? Yes. Phew. All right. Is it a GameCube exclusive? No. <clears throat> no. Um, is this part of the uh, Mario Mushroom Kingdom? No. And that's 10. Mm. Still pretty. All right. I think it should, should be well known ish. I mean, what, yeah. do, I want to know do we know, is it on, do we know if it's on the Wii? We don't know that yet. Yeah, it'd have to be on Wii, Wii U, or Switch, or not even Switch, because it's not on handheld, so Wii or Wii U, or just like some like obscure non-system. Well, is it exclusive to the Wii? No. Wii U. (laughs) Yeah, ask ask it, Tina. Is it exclusive to Wii U? No. What if there's a port out there? So it is is an exclusive for a publisher, but what if it's also on a different console? Well, so it's it's not the idea is that it's not on a handheld and not on any of Nintendo's flagship systems. So I don't get it. It's on iPhone, maybe. Oh, would that count? Oh, yeah. Or, count that as it could be Mario Kart, the Mario Kart arcade game, or any of the arcade games. This is an arcade game. No. Maybe it's a watch game. Well, if it came out after 2000, it could also be on the, the damn 64. Mm. Yeah, or... Um, I like the Game & Watch idea, too. Like, some kind of thing. But that would be handheld. That's boss mode. Or that would be boss mode, so... What yeah. about the... Uh, what about the e- an e-card reader game? <laughs> yeah. Or, um... Well, here, how about this? Is it on a non-traditional con platform? No. Okay, so then we're completely off. Is base. it on the Nintendo 64? Yes, and that there is 15. <laughs> <clears throat> and, and Nintendo made it. I mean, so it's, uh, you know, um, some late. Wait, do we know that? Nintendo. Or, no, sorry, it's exclusive. No. Sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. You want to so, ask? The, the only late. Yeah. I didn't play. I mean, I, I played a lot of these games, but the only ones I ever think of are like your Conkers and your Banjo-Tooies and, you know, the very final games on the 64. But um, maybe it's like one of those weird Rockstar games. I don't know if any of those came out late. Are the lead characters animals? No. Uh, Sin and Punishment, maybe? Yeah, that's a good guess. I Man, was it really that late? Or like um it could have been it could have been a sixty four DD game that, that came out here on cartridge because those are really late. Um a sixty four game. Yeah, I mean if it was a Nintendo exclusive sixty four game and it's boss mode, this could be like the most obscure dumb thing. Like I I don't know. <laughs> it's gonna be hard for us to get. It, I don't you, mean dumb because you know it's his favorite it game could of all be, time. I just mean like we're not gonna get it. Well, I, Damon might have led us astray with the questions, but like Animal Crossing, Animal Crossing came out on the N64 in Japan. In Japan, yeah. Or something like that, like like uh, Doshin the Giant. <laughs> like, you know, one of those weird games. Yeah, that's why I brought up the 64DD stuff. Yeah. Um, 
And then Star Fox Adventures that got ported to the GameCube that never came out in 64. Mm-mm. Man, I don't know. I don't know where to go from here. Uh, does this have characters in Smash Brothers? Uh, surprisingly, I think no. no. Wow. Total boss mode. <laughs> hmm. Um. Is the de- should we ask if the developer still are- we should we probably just need to know the genre or we're not going to get it right yeah that, that I can't think of any um do we lose Justin okay. no he's still there would it help if we just thought I like the animal question like that's that that can we just have to kind of take some shots in the dark here like is it a sci-fi game is it a driving game then just be done with it because I, I I don't think we're going to get it otherwise Something yeah we like only that. have two questions left I think mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was this well received. Hmm. Yes. Do you think could it be? I don't know how late it was. Could it be Space Station Silicon Valley? Yeah, I just don't know how late that game is either. But that has I that, no, that, that. no, that stars animals. Oh, good point. Well, you're. I, <laughs> it depends on how mean Damon wants to be. You're a robot that can like <laughs> take over animals, right? Yeah. Well, I said lead characters, um, not necessarily protagonists, so that still counts. Yeah. yeah. It could be like an Excite Bike 64 type situation or something weird like that. Wave races, are those any of those come out? It's part of a franchise. I like Excite Bike 64. I don't know when it came out, but I think that was pretty late. Mm-hmm. And then there's think- the Turok sequels. There were Turok sequels. They were pretty late, some of them. So should we just say if we mentioned this game and then end it? <laughs> yeah. Have we mentioned the game yet? No, you have not. <laughs> we did our best. I- I'm out of my Nintendo 64 library. Once I get to 2000, it's very, very limited. What was that weird in 64 game where it had these cube cubey graphics and then it was all like uh, it was like an ecosystem of like animals eating other animals. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't think of it. It might never come out. I think we should make the guess at like just like you know bust a move or something like that. Shall I reveal the game? Sure. Released in two thousand, in the year two thousand, developed by a developer a developer called Quest, which is no longer in business. Published by Nintendo in Japan. Published by Atlas. No. Published by Atlas (sighs) in North America. It is a a real time strategy game. And it's the third game in a series. Okay. Um, yeah, it's Ogre Battle. It is Ogre Battle sixty four. Ogre Battle sixty four. Okay. A game that good one. I own a game I owned. A lot of people's cool favorite game. game too. Yeah. I gave it like an eight eight point eight, I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I have oh. Ogre Battle Battle for uh, SNES, and it's pretty interesting. Kind of yeah. Janky. yeah. Wow, that was really hard. I didn't think it was impossible, though, because it was a game that I actually had. And it was well received. Yeah, we could have gotten there with maybe a little bit uh, locking in the system earlier and uh, maybe with RPG known. Yeah. I, I still, though, it would have been you, you fell into the trap of thinking that two th- after 2000 excluded 64. Mm-hmm. Yep, and we've been told numerous times by, by listeners to <laughs> not do that, but <laughs> eh, we're still going to do it. Yep. 
Sam, can cool. Clint Chico at you? Yes, please hit me up. I will congratulate you personally. Tina, I hope you start playing video games again sometime soon. Me too. I'm I've become the lapsed gamer. Um, but Mindhunter is a very good show. Uh, we talked before we started uh, this taping that she's been watching a lot of Mindhunter, which is very good. It's weirdly my way of winding down from building furniture. Cool. <laughs> Ugh, that's not a good wind down. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was uh, for me real life. Mm-hmm. All right. That is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Sam. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop. And we're out. A million.